Hey guys, how are you? Praise the Lord. Hey, put your hand up if you love, or make some noise if you love Jesus. That's good. That's good. We have some Jesus lovers here. And for you online, I hope you're loving Jesus wherever you're watching this or you're watching in the playback. Um, the Lord loves you, and I believe the heart of God is going to touch you tonight. It's wonderful to be here with Pastor Sarah, with all your team. I'm here with Lee. Pastor Daniel Hagen is here as well. And um, I'm, I'm going to say his name again. Some of you might not have heard that. This is an amazing man of God. Pastor Daniel Hagen's there. My friend Lee. And, of course, this woman of God. You know, I want to tell you guys, my friend Lee, uh, we talked about whether we can share this or not, so we're going to share it with you. My friend Lee was watching Pastor Catherine online for many, many years in prison. And, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord was moving in prison through TV, through her ministry. She's one of the only Australians in, the, in all of Australia that preaches on TV. And I'm so thankful, not just for your heart, but for being a pioneer. You have a woman of God as a leader of this house, and she's an amazing. And I am so thankful for being here. But thanks again for having us. So... We're going to have some fun tonight, and uh, I'm going to pray that God just rips your heart open uh, in all the right ways, not the ways that you need it healed again, the, the tearing that heals, you know. <laughs> it was, I nearly changed my message on you because you have a prophet in the house. Uh, when Pastor Sarah was sharing about, can God father you? I've been preaching a message the last six months. I've preached in Jesus' image and, and all over Australia, all over the world, I've preached this message. I felt like the Lord share it, a uh, deep revelation with me on this, can you be fathered by God? And, uh, and, but I was nearly, I was like, do I need to change my message, God? She kept saying, uh, can God father me? But I actually feel I need to stick to what I felt before. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about God's heart for the lost. And if you are not in, at, by the end of this, if you don't love the lost, come to me. I'll cast the demon out. Um, <laughs> you know, if you don't feel compassion for people by the end of this, then, then maybe we need to get the defibrillators and zap you back. But I want to show you a bit before this, about what God is doing in Europe. And then Pastor Daniel and I want to pray because you may or may not have heard the announcement, but next year's Awakening Australia is going to be in Queensland. So, yeah. So we've been really working hard to see God move in this. We had a meeting last night in the Gold Coast. Many leaders came and it was so powerful. And they were like, you've got to do something here. The sunshine, uh, the... the, the um, uh, what, what's it called? No, no, not Gold Coast. I know that one. I just said it. No, what's, no not Sunshine State. I know that's Queensland. Um, Sunshine, no. What's it called? Surfer's Paradise. Thank you. Sorry, I forget. The Gold Coast has two names. Um, so I know the Sunny Coast, but I always forget Surfers. So we're, they're like, you've got to do something in Surfer's Paradise. It's the number one divorce rate in all of Australia there. It's the number one place for OnlyFans, one of the, actually, one of the most influential places of pornography in the world is the Gold Coast. And I was like, yes, we should do something here as well. So my, my plans, God's plans, I feel like he's downloading to me and to Daniel um, the plans, not just to do a stadium here, but to really flood the streets of Queensland and to make sure thousands of people are entering that, those strips, you know, like Cavalav and places like that with, with a heart for the gospel, with a heart for the harvest. But I want to show you something profound that happened last year uh, in Europe because the Lord has, has let me be in the midst of a real move of God that is happening in the continent where I live. But coming home, it's a treat for me to be able to be here to do something with you because the hand of the Lord is upon Australians. And I'll share that with you tonight, what I really sense about God's love people. But I want to show you what God did last year in Europe in this video. 
if you would just watch the screen just for a moment. doing Europe. It's beautiful. In this event, we spread to 10 different cities across Europe afterwards, and nine different cities, sorry, it was 10 in total. And we saw, in this is people deciding, many for the very first time, in fact, most. And the numbers we do, we keep it lower. So I'm a very uh, into this integrity thing with numbers because there's a lot of people who are like, there was 10,000 a day. It's like, yeah, but there could have been half the same people from yesterday. So anyway, but I can just tell you this, that here in this event, there was over 2,500 Europeans that received the Lord. And, uh, and that in Europe, if you understand that Europe, that is huge. If I was to say to you right now in the state of Queensland, yesterday, 2,500 people received Jesus Christ, what would you say? You would praise the Lord, right? Because that's a big deal. That's a big deal in any country but particularly in the continent of Europe, where the median church size is 40 to 60 people. So you walk into a church like your size here, three, 400, that's a mega church in Germany. And so we're seeing God really do something unique and raise leaders. And we're in the hour where we have to be in this, what I call forced multiplication, where we stop being jealous. It's not who's who in the Christian zoo. We need to empower as many leaders as we can because there's a, a massive need and there's a great need in our nation. And I just want to ask Pastor Daniel to come pray for me. Uh, pray for, yeah, pray for me as well. Pray for me because I wore Yeezy slides to the pulpit. But um, I wanted just to say, if there's anybody offended by these slides, they're probably worth more than your shoes. But, um, <laughs> but, but Pastor Daniel was like, no, just wear them. And I love it. With Pastor Catherine, we're friends. She's a woman of God. But I know this is like a wild tribe as well. And so I was like, praise the Lord. And, and when you came over in worship, you said, see how wild we are? They'll love the slides. So I was like, don't stumble over these shoes, all right? Let's look at the Lord and His precious feet, not my shoes. But Daniel, would you come? Because guys, I want us to stand for the next two minutes. I want us to pray for Australia. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to ask God tonight to grip our heart for this nation because I believe that if we do something now while the wind is blowing, if we hoist the sail in the Spirit while the wind is blowing, while there's this fresh wind and new infilling of the Spirit for people and more souls being saved, we need to catch this and go after it. So let's begin to pray for our country. Thank you, Jesus. Save Australia, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the whole East Coast. We thank you for Queensland, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this nation, Lord God. We thank you that this nation has been marked for revival. We thank you, Lord God, for this end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So many prophets have spoke of these days, Lord God, and we are so grateful for the opportunity, Father, to be in these very days, this generation that is seeking your face right now, Lord God, saying, come Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We know that your eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hungry hearts, looking for hearts that are perfect towards you. And Father, we say, pick us. Lord, we say, move in this area, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit. We know it's not by might or power or by our special programs, but it's by your Holy Spirit. Yes, God. So come Holy Spirit and move powerfully. Lord, we know your word says the harvest is ripe. You yes, said that thousands God. of years ago. How much more now the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. But we pray, Lord, more laborers for yes, the harvest, God. Lord. Not just the evangelists, but all of us. It's Christ in all of us, Lord God. That we would go, 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 go. Preach the gospel, share our faith, Lord God. And every day, every day, Lord God, is a lifestyle in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for Brisbane. Yes, God. We thank you for Gold Coast, yes, all God. of these Get regions. Father, we thank you that this is not just about a church or a denomination, but this is the wider body of Christ, all denominations, all believers coming yes. together yes. for the name of Jesus, for the sharing of the gospel, for our family and friends, our work colleagues to be saved in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. We thank you, God, for revival. Yes. We thank you, God, for revival. Save we thank us. you for another great awakening, Father. Yes. We need it in this nation more than ever. In Jesus' name. Let's just continue to pray in the Spirit. Yes, Father, we pray for salvations in hairdressing salons, salvations at dentists, salvations, Father, at hospitals. We pray, Father God, for family members who are backslidden. We call the prodigals home. Father, we pray that thousands of prodigal sons and daughters would come home in this season in Queensland. Come on, just call them back, declare them. The Scripture says, say to the north, give them back, give them back to God. Lord, save Australia. Save Australia. Father, we pray with everyone that's watching at home and in this room, before your throne, Lord, save Australia. Save our nation. God, bring a great wave and a great move of salvation and discipleship to our nation. Father, we also thank you for a mighty move of your spirit with yes. signs and wonders. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for many demons to be cast out, many bodies to be healed, Father. In Jesus' name, signs that point to you, wonders that will, put, that will shock people, Lord God. 
that will make the media and the news wild signs and wonders where people will not be able to argue. Great exploits. Your word says that we'll know you, God. We want to know you intimately first and foremost. We want to co-labor with you to see great, great exploits. And I thank you, God, it's not just going to be the famous evangelist, but it's the everyday believer going about their everyday life, seeing powerful, powerful signs and wonders, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, the dead being raised, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your fame, the fame of Jesus to be spread abroad, Lord God, right throughout this region, right throughout this nation, God, in Jesus' name. Father, come and have your way. Have your way through your people, God. Have your way through your people, Lord. Jesus' name. Keep praying, keep praying. Get in the river. Get in the river of prayer. Sometimes we pray and we sort of run off the end of the runway. Just pray until the, the plane lifts in your spirit, till your spirit lifts into the prayer with God. Father, we thank you for Australia. Save our nation, Father. Save our country, God. Raise up prayer of authority and faith. Thank you, Lord, for our country. Save Jesus. Save from the north to the south, to the east, to the west. Save our nation, God. Yes, Father, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to impact every sphere of society. Father, in Jesus' name, and I pray for the, the least likely, the broken people, the, the drug addict, the, the gangster, those in prisons, Lord God, those, the outcasts of society, Lord God, we pray that you would grip their hearts yes, with the gospel, Father. We thank you for a revival, Father, amongst the broken, that they would come home and find families in local churches, Lord God, and be discipled, Lord God, and you'd raise them up, put all the broken pieces back together, raise them up to be mighty revivalists in these last days, we pray in Jesus' name. Every sphere of society, Father. Every sphere, let it impact every area in Jesus' name. Yes, warm our hearts with the fire of your spirit, Lord. Toward the lost. Thank you, Lord. I just feel to sing this song. Keep praying. I just feel to sing this song. And uh, it's just for some of you, just the Lord wants to help you. Thank you, Lord. What can be done for a cold heart like mine? Soften it up. With oil and wine, the oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me in you, in the wine of your blood. And what can be done for a cold heart like mine, Lord? Soften it up 
with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your blood. Yeah, tonight, my Lord, as we pray for Australia, please soften our heart. Tenderize our heart to the lost. Father, we need your convictions. There's no point, Lord, without the grace moving and flowing like a river through our heart. Father, we pray that we would pray different, that we would live different, that our posture tonight would be adjusted to you. Thank you, mighty God. And Father, for heaven's sake, for Jesus Christ's glory's sake, save our nation. Save our nation. Do you believe that? Yeah. Give the Lord praise. Give him thanks. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. You may be seated. I want to just make something very clear. Uh, I walked in with Pastor Catherine and Pastor Daniel and Lee. We walked into the back to the intercessor's uh, room, and it's like walking in another realm. I don't, was not seeing that because I think someone's weak in intercession. But how many of you understand something that you can have prayer for church life and for some things, and you can be very devoted even to God's presence. But God is not just devoted to his presence being in our midst. He's devoted to his presence being in the midst of nations. And so I need God to soften me, even as a person who's postured toward the unsaved. I need God to do that. And, uh, and I, I remember I, I talked to a person recently, a pastor, and, and he said, you know, Ben, um, he, he was saying it gently, but he said, you know, what you guys carry will be a great addition to what we have. We don't really need a lot, but it's a great addition awakening to what we have. And I said, my friend, can I tell you something being a pastor? I said, I respect your statement. I don't mean to correct. But I said, you don't need what I, you don't, I don't add to, or the anointing of God doesn't add to what you have. I said, my friend, I'm a pastor and I need what other people have. I need God. It's not, not, I'm not like, I'm, so, I'm doing so well. If we're doing so well, we would have the fruit. If we're doing so amazing, we do have some fruit. But until we're really in the midst of a place where we're seeing thousands turn to God, we're going to need to do what every revival in history did. We're going to go low before God and say, Father, we need you to break our heart for what breaks yours. And I would tell you, even as a person postured through evangelism, that that is not even my heart fully yet. Although it's my heart daily, I pray for it. I, I look for people. I go after people. But when I read through the history books, I have John Wesley's journal, things like that. I'm not his actual one. They reprinted it. If I had his actual, it would be worth a lot of money. But I, um, I have some of that. I, co I collect revival history. I have uh, Billy Graham magazines, the front cover of New York Times in 1951, and you know him pointing, Jesus is the way. And, and all this revival stuff, I've spent thousands of dollars searching it and countless hours, probably 30, 40 hours online, just looking through over the years. And uh, I collect these little things, William Booth cards, William Booth postcards, when they're in the midst of the revival and saw 243,000 people saved in three years. Can you believe that? That was in a time without social media, without that, that ability to spread the word. It was in, in a time where God had to spread it one-on-one. -on -one. Now we, we can see even greater things than this. And God really has gripped my heart lately. Ben, I want souls. 
And I want to just prepare something for you tonight, almost like a table that you can eat off through Scripture, because the Bible will preach far better than I will. And I want to give you very definitive examples of this. And I'll just simply ask you, don't believe me. Believe the testimony of the Lord and be open to God changing your heart because He wants to and He can. So I want to propose a question before we read. We have about eight verses or 10 verses to read. Let me ask you a question. And I ask it with love. Everything I say to you tonight, I know my own heart. Even if it comes across very clear. I had a lady tell me yesterday, she goes, you're, you're really like, they're like, oh, he's very relaxed and very gentle off the pulpit. But at the pulpit, maybe a little different. And I was like, yeah. Um, and she's like, you're so clear and so straightforward. And I'm like, well, I'm responsible to God to tell the truth. And the only truth that I can tell is the one that I understand. I can't make it up unless I really feel I know it. And here's one, this realm is what I really do know and, um, and what I'm getting to know even more. So here's my first question for you tonight. If I offered you $500 million tonight in cash, or I offered you a thousand houses and said, you can have that money, but all you need to do is give me your salvation. Would you give it to me? Is there a person in here, if I said to you, I want your salvation, I just want your soul, just give me, I'll give you a billion dollars, just give me your soul, let me separate you from God, would you do it? No way, right? Why is it then, in the life of Christendom, and studies have proven this, that the salvation of humanity, although it is of the highest self-preservation, top of the list for me, it is number seven, eight, nine on the list of my life priorities for someone else. It is the highest of my life. You can't take my relationship with God, but on our life list of how we live for God, it's one of the lowest things we think about and even care about. And that's not to condemn you, but if we so much love our salvation, why wouldn't we give it to someone else? Why wouldn't we share the gospel? What would happen to us that so, you know, kind of, that's why we sang that song, maybe coldens us or creates familiarity in our heart. What would happen to us? Why is that so prevalent in the church? Why do statistics still prove prayer meetings and evangelism are the least attended things in the house of God? Why? Why? Because that is realistically the only time the church is on offense. Everything else, we're in receiving mode. Apart from worship, where we give an offering to God. But to give God an offering comes out of a heart of love, right? It comes out of a heart of, I want to worship the Lord. So in this deep exchange between you becoming God's child and you becoming one with the Lord, something happens in your nature that begins at conception, when you're boarding in, but over a period of time begins to, it just, it's like it just, it just fizzles away. And mentally we agree with it. If I said to you, who here wants to see Australia saved? Run to the front. Every one of us would run to the front. Then if I said, who here will commit to one life being saved? Maybe half would leave, but at least probably half would stay. Yes, I'll commit to it. Then we break that down. Who would commit to start doing that tomorrow? Some more will leave. Then I would say this, who will commit to being accountable to the harvest, accountable with God, to our commitments to God? Like so many times the Lord has graciously forgiven me. I'm thankful I'm in the new covenant because in, if, when I look in Ecclesiastes 5, it says, draw near to God slowly and be careful what you commit to. 
Don't make vain promises to God. And it says, lest the Lord be displeased and rebuke you. It doesn't say, lest he go, try it again. Let's have another recommitment. God isn't like that. God is looking for nation-changing individuals, whether they're house mums, whether they're a dentist, whether they're an evangelist, whether they're in the ministry in or outside of the church. He is looking for people who he can trust, who can equip more, who can force multiply in our country to see his heart come to Jesus. It's not about souls and see, see, people have been hung up. It's about souls. No, it's not. It's about God's heart. I'm not a soul. I'm not a manufactured product of God. I'm someone he died for. You're someone God died for. You're not just a soul to God. You're not a statistic or a notch on the belt of how many hands went up. We're more than that to God. He doesn't die for junk. We were trash. We were offensive to God. The Bible's clear. Our minds were retrograde against God. I'm not saying we were the great righteous that Jesus just had to save, but he loved us in our brokenness and he came to save. And the scripture says he's mighty to save. So I want to start with this verse. Let's open first, if we can, just to Luke, just a quick verse. We're going to start with Luke. And, um, and then we're going to go through a bunch of verses here. And then I'm going to really kind of drive into the heart of the matter. Luke 19. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your heart. I just pray, Holy Spirit, your heart would get even 10 people. Just do it, Lord. Please do it tonight. Grip somebody, God, to see what you see. Luke 19, verse 9. We know this story about Zacchaeus. It's at the end of it. The Pharisees are upset. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. And this is the familiar verse we know, but maybe tonight you'll know it differently. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The son of man has come to seek. I felt the spirit of God tell me last year, Look up what seek means. Or it was about, about 14 months ago, actually. He said, look up what this means. I dived into the Greek, the coin and all that stuff. And, and I begin to see this word seek when Jesus says, I'm seeking the lost. It's not like this. He's not like walking around going, I wonder who's lost here. The Bible says, this Greek word says, Jesus craves. He craves the lost. The Son of Man came to crave a human soul. It's the same kind of tenacity and, and ferociousness that a grandmother would have, or let's say this, like the movie Taken, when his daughter was taken, it's that I am unwilling to stop until I find them. But yet it's still in their hands. The will is still their choice. It's still there. But it's this craving for humans. It's not just a cheap, oh yeah, we do outreach or God's seeking the lost. No, 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 friends. It's his image. They're made in his image. That's someone who bears the image of God. That's a former image bearer of God. He's not after the trees. I love the trees. We can get a, tree, a t-shirt, save the trees, but save souls. They'll prevert, they will protect more trees. Save people. And God craved people enough. Think about this. The father with Jesus saying, will you go? Will you leave here? Yes, Father. Whatever I can do for you to get them back, I will do it. Son, you'll have to be brutally murdered 
and take on what they deserve. I crave them, Father. I will do it. They will tear your flesh apart, Jesus. But Father, they're yours, and I want to bring them back. They'll spit on you, Jesus. They'll mock you. They'll do what they did to the prophets. Fishermen will turn to you. Lay people. The rich will oppress you. They'll drag you into the court. They'll mistreat you, Jesus. But it's worth it for the fishermen. Father, I'll bring you Peter. I'll bring you the Mary. I'll bring you Chooser. I'll bring ones that seven demons are in today. I'll bring you prostitutes today. And they'll become daughters at your feet, Father. He craved them. He didn't just love the lost. He craves the lost. And he didn't change when he rose from the dead. He did not change. He didn't go, well, now I'm on my mighty throne and I don't, now you, they can handle it. No, friend. No, 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 no. My friend, her name is Tracy Evans. She works in Mozambique. Not where Heidi Baker works. They're very close friends. Also close friend to me. Also close to Catherine and I, Heidi. She's the same as this woman. There's another woman though. She's a medical doctor and she's into medicine and she loves to feed kids as well as preach the gospel. She does both. She feeds them. She gets sanitized milk. It's amazing what she does, Tracy Evans. And Tracy told me, she's very intelligent. She did this study of Christian missional evangelism across the nations of the earth for the last 400 years in Western civilized countries. And she said, you know what I found? And she also researched through Harvard and all these other places that did similar studies. She said, you know what we found, Ben, what, what I found, what these, these professors found, they found that the second the church began to take a back step on sharing the gospel, the decay of the nation happened very soon after. Whole countries in the West, the, the, the iris that, see, we look at sin, oh, it's sin's fault. Yeah, it is sin's fault. But sometimes we have to look inside and go, but what have I really done in the last three years about sin in people? What have I been a part of? Am I watching sin's fault from the sidelines of history saying, I hope God raises up someone? No, God, please give me a craving. Give me a craving that is intentional from your heart where I can love people like you love them. Turn over to 1 Timothy. We're going to do a lot of scripture tonight. Is that okay? Do you love your Bible? The Bible is more true than any man of God, woman of God who will ever preach to you. If they change the Bible, block your ears. I'm being serious. <laughs> love them, block your ears. Are you there? First Timothy, if you don't have a Bible with you, grab your iPhone. If you're in sin, grab your Samsung. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. It's like, I love that preacher until he said that. I have had a Samsung for five years. <laughs> One time I said that, I think I was in Asia somewhere. Yeah, I was wrong, wrong. I got in trouble. Was it like an Asian church? And I told him, I said, if you're in sin, grab your Samsung. That's like, you know, a bunch of Asian people I was preaching to. Okay, First Timothy, are you there? First Timothy, it's right before Second Timothy. <laughs> First Timothy, chapter two. Let's read this together. Verse one. This is Paul talking. I exhort you first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. 
In other words, intercession teams are not just supposed to be pulling down the third heaven principality of the, of the Freemasons thing from 800 years ago. That's cool as well. Do it. But I met a lot of people. They're like, we built a galaxy in the spirit realm. That's wonderful. That's great. If you can do that, and you, that's better than what I feel I can do. That's cool. And they tell me, oh, I went to the, the top of Mount Tambourine. I went to, you know, the, the, the Blue Mount, Glasshouse Mountains. And I took down the principality that was there since the time of the Aboriginals and, and all the, you know, thousands of years that it's been there, this principality in Australia. And I took it down on the Glasshouse Mountains. That's amazing. How many people met the Lord? Paul said, pray for people. Paul's a very sharp apostle, very good one, very fruitful one. He said, don't just pray for like, we pull this and we pull that. I'm not against it. But sometimes we get very charismatic weird. I didn't want to say charismatic because we get weird hit church. We're like, oh, I'm just, I remember, man, I also know the good sides of this. Don't worry. I've had people in a stadium pour oil and God sanctified a whole stadium. I know that's the truth. I'm not, not swinging from a ditch to another one. I'm just saying we have a problem. When intercession is based around, well, we just declare great finances over our nation. Unto what? Unto what? I remember when we did an awakening in Sweden. There was so much division in the church. I flew back on the plane from Sweden to Germany crying. I said, God, this one I don't think I can do. I said, I'm sorry, I love you, but I can't handle this one. It's too hard. I'd go from one big pastor's office to the next pastor's office. And in the next pastor's office, he would talk against the pastor I just met. There was a lot of division. And they didn't really have this heart for Swedish people to be born again. Some of them did, but not many. And I said, God, I don't think I can do this one. And God provoked me. He knew, he knows the button to press to wake us. He said, if you don't, Ben, who will? In other words, do I have to give this assignment to someone else? And that pulled me in. I'm like, no, 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 okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Because I felt like I'm born to do something for God. And so we did this event in Sweden. But I tell you, Sweden, it was amazing. It was the largest event they had there in decades. And, but Sweden, friends, is the best country on the planet for healthcare, for families, for all, if you want to live there. It's amazing. But people, it's also one of the highest atheist nations of the world. What are we praying into? So Paul says here, he goes, I pray for kings, authorities, that we may, may lead a good life. And, and to have reverence, verse 2, the, the, for all men and for kings and, and those in authority with godly reverence. Verse 3, he said, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God to pray for these people, everyone. You ready for this? Verse 4. Actually, wait, let's stop. Let's stop. Pastor Catherine's amazing. She's really amazing. If one thing I know about Pastor Catherine, there are two things. She loves the glory of God. Glory. I love it when Lee said to us in the book, he's like, she, she's like, reminds me of Catherine Kuhlman. It's true, huh? But Lee and I had a chat with Catherine Kuhlman recently. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman's long gone to heaven. She's in heaven. But the anointing. What do I know about Catherine? She loves the glory of God. She'll be on her face before God. What's the second thing I know about Catherine? She dresses very nice. I came in here insecure tonight. My friends were like, where are the Yeezys? They're cool. That's great. And I'm like, are you sure, guys? Are you sure? I, I looked for two or three witnesses, and I, I got them, sadly, and I'm still up here uncomfortable. But, because Pastor Catherine, what do we know about her? She dresses good. We were eating together out the back, and she put this beautiful coat on. And I looked down at my shoes. I'm like, Lord, help me. 
Now, if I truly love her as a friend and I know her birthday is coming up, let's say it's a jubilee, a 50th or something or 40th, and I know it's a significant time and I love her as a friend and I ask Tom, Tom, what is she? Well, Ben, there's this amazing Gucci jacket. And I'm like, yep, that's what I figured. And he goes, this is what she really desires. This is what she talks about. This is her heart. She's thinking about it. She, she knows she wears it perfectly. It, it is hers, but she doesn't have it. And this is what she wants for her birthday. And so I say, yes, Tom, I understand. I understand. When's the party? Saturday, next Saturday night. Okay, I understand. Thank you so much. And so I get, get ready to come to this big party at their house, this big feast, and everyone's going to be there. And I come to Catherine. I say, Pastor Catherine, my friend, I bought you something. And I grab a box, and I open it up, and it's a cat. <laughs> Happy birthday. Here's a cat I bought you. Yeah, I heard one of their staff. I won't say what he said, actually. We, you may have to repent of that later. Um, <laughs> But he said, he said, basically, he said, that cat won't last long being a cat. Um, so that cat, <laughs> sorry if you cat people are like, that's it. I hate this service. Samsung and cat people, we have a deliverance team over here tonight. Sorry, we're sorry. I'm trying to really be serious about the heart of God. Father, I'm wrecking it a bit. Sorry. Let's go back to the point. I'm at her birthday. I know what she wants. She desires this Gucci jacket. Verse 4, God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, how can I bless you? I want this one. You missed it. Some of you missed it. Am I a friend of God when I turn off the heart of God? Am I a friend of my friend? when I don't listen with a heart that, when I can't pay a price for what she desires? Am I a true friend? Sometimes we're bringing cats to God. We're bring <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me tonight. Please, God, help me. I felt like I was doing so good until the cat comment came out. Do you understand what God is saying? He's... <laughs> Everywhere else I preach this, people are like dead silent, like convicted. You guys are laughing. <laughs> it's a testament to the joy in this house. Let me read a, another scripture. We're going to read Revelation where it says, be zealous and repent. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Go over to 1 Corinthians 9. <laughs> and then I'm going to get into a bit deeper, okay? 1 Corinthians 9. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're a cat person, forgive me, hey? I just meant she didn't want a cat. She wants... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it, right? My point is this. Can I, Dan, stop laughing. My point is this. Can I say to God, I'm a true Christian, God, and leave God's heart? Because it's possible. It's possible for me. And we all know we do this. We walk past somebody and the Holy Spirit says, stop that person. We go, which one, God, which girl? And he goes, that girl. And you go, which one? Are you sure, Lord, it's her? And he goes, yes, that girl. It's too late now, God. It's too late. We all do this all the time. But God's heart is leaning into these people. God's heart loves Australians. The other night, just after my birthday, 
my brother and I, I used to play semi-professional pool, eight ball, and, you know, we on the t- pool table, and I, I played for six hours a day. I was very, very good at pool, and I wanted to go on the world tour and all this crazy stuff, and I was dealing drugs at the time. A minor dr- drug dealer. I wasn't like a big-time guy, but I was trying to make money in the pool room and just be crazy and very dark in sin. And so my brother, sometimes he wants to, like, play against me because he was a state champion, and so he challenges me now when I come home to Australia. So I'm like, sure, let's go, let's go play. And so we had fun, we played and everything. And as we were there, I caught the eye and the attention of this lady, just at the back. She was just sitting there with her, her sister. They're playing pool together. I assume it was her sister because they look very similar. As we finished, we stayed there for probably two hours. As we finished, I didn't sit there and go, well, okay, God, now that I've put the pool cue down, now I enter outreach mode. Now this is an outreach. I didn't put on Instagram, about to do outreach. I just asked God when I felt a little bit of a leaning toward him desiring that all would be saved. I said, God, what do you want to do? And he said, go and speak to her. That's it. He didn't say to me, you need to say this, this, and this, nothing. God doesn't always give the instruction when we get to somebody's life. When you're a hairdresser and you're doing someone's hair, he doesn't always tell you, say these words. He sometimes says, listen to their words. He sometimes says, just hear, and then just wait, and the wisdom like that just drops on you. And so I talked to this girl, and I said, hey, this is going to sound very weird. And I don't say that to downplay Christianity. I don't like when we mock and go, look, it's not really about religion. Like, yes, it is. It's you've got to die to yourself and follow Jesus. It's real. But I try and say, look, listen, it's not, this is, it's going to sound weird to you. Some people have a misconception of Jesus, but I felt Jesus tell me to tell you, he loves you. And do you remember, just came out of me, do you remember when your grandmother was praying for you? And now she was like, oh my goodness. She looked over to her sister. She's like, oh my goodness. She goes, my grandma was the only one who prayed for me. And I said, yes, you need to return to the Lord and you need to quit the music you're involved in. And then she freaked out. See, this is about being filled with Jesus. Imagine if I just cut that off from me. If I just think to myself, well, if I can just get Todd White here. I'm being serious because all of us here, my, we're friends with all these ministers, right? My, my very close friends with Jeremy Riddle. You know Jeremy Riddle? He's a precious worship leader. If Jeremy got up on here with the guitar and said, let's worship all of you and me included. We wouldn't step the back. We wouldn't observe. We're down here. We'd be right in. We'd look up to him. His songs have touched our life. We'd be right here worshiping. We'd be expectant. You know why? Because what happened hundreds of years ago is the revelation of corporate and then spiritual worship. What I mean by that is we became more free over the years where we stopped singing to three minutes exactly. We stopped the hymn and then we started a new one. We started to do prophetic worship and now it's not called prophetic like it was in uh, 2008. It's called worship. People don't, no one says, wow, Jeremy's prophetic anymore. They did that in 20, 2008 when the, the first pioneers, the, the Misty Edwards, the Kim Walker Smiths, they started to sing and ha ha and happy day and little, little things here. And they're like, wow, that feels different. Yeah, because it had anointing on it, had juice on it. But now every Christian goes in because that's right. Because God is worthy of praise. Imagine if I stand there in front of Jeremy cross my arms and say to Jeremy, I'm not a worshiper. That's what we do when we tell God 
I'm not an evangelist. Do you know what a revival is? God's church on fire is part one. God reaching people through his church on fire is part two. You don't have a revival until part two is there. Worshiping God is one part. People always talk about, my, even my friends, and, and we, we discuss these things sometimes, like, but they don't think this way, but people catch Christian phrases. We're addicted to Christian sentences. Hasn't Christianity become more? See, I, I love this, this man, Evan Roberts in Wales. Evan Roberts said this. He wrote in his journal at 24. He said, what a failure Christianity is. He wrote, oh, what a failure. It has struck me that it's failed Wales. It's failed the continent. Was he pointing at God? Your cross is a failure? No, he was saying, why doesn't the church care? What has happened to our church? We love to pray. We love to sit around, but we're oblivious to the heart of the Lord for the lost. Now, we shouldn't point fingers because we've all done this. We can't go higher than another and stand up there. You don't love the lost. He wasn't doing that. He said, God, it feels like Christianity is a failure. Why? Because Christianity in Wales became a mixture of only words. People do this at the pulpit now. They're like, oh, Lord, I just sense your glory. And, and they're like, I've been in the deepest secret, da-da-da, and they haven't. They're copying what they heard in America. They're saying, Lord, make us a Mary. Do you realize Mary did not sit at Jesus' feet because Jesus left? She didn't just stay there. Otherwise, Martha would have had to get up and follow the guy. Mary didn't just sit there, oh, Jesus, I'm just going to stay here until you get back in six weeks to our little village. No, Mary followed him. She ministered everywhere he went. And what was Jesus doing? Craving people. So he would get a new one. He'd pull him in. Peter, Peter, this one. He was just healed. Crave him with me. This one, Mary, she was just delivered. She was a prostitute. Mary, take care of her. Crave her with me. That is real revival. And that's what Evan Roberts said. He said, God, wake up our country. And God did. God woke up Wales. Half of Wales was born again in six months. So much so that as you entered by ship, this is only 120 years ago, it can happen again. I said it can happen again. I'm going to say it again because I want you to really believe this. It can happen again. Realistically, we cannot live our lives just as normal people and go, God, I'm coasting. It's okay. I'm blessed. Will I get to heaven? Yes. Is God angry at me? No. But can I truly look at you, Father? The Lord puts these big sentences in my spirit sometimes. Be ready to stand before me. He says this stuff to me. Be ready to stand before me at the day of judgment. And it, and it, and it resets my heart. It, it makes me feel sober, but thankful. The scriptures sober me too. The scriptures here where Paul says this, we're about to read it in 1 Corinthians 9. Sober our hearts to say, God, please, no matter what, give me love for someone that doesn't know you. Because to be honest, friends, it's hard for me now to say, Jesus, I love you, but forget the girl at the pool room. But Ben, we'd never say, I'd never say it either. I'd never say forget her, but I'd leave it to someone else. Did you catch what I just said there? Okay, let me make it deeper. If Jesus was with me, would I obey if he was physically there? I would, right? He is there. 
He is here. Do I live conscious of this? Do you want to know what happened to the girl? Out of my mouth came another sentence. You have a sister or a relative whose name is a flower. She goes, and she freaked out. She goes, my sister's name is Lily. I said, girl, I was sent by God to tell these things to you. Turn to God. She freaked out. She didn't go, get away from me. She freaked out. She's like, thank you so much. Yes, yes, I need to. And I said, will you go read the Bible? Get a Bible. Start reading the New Testament. I didn't tell her you need to do X, Y, Z. I didn't say, put up your hand right now so I can text on, online of how many hands I got. I'm not against that. I love numbers. I'm not against that. But I think sometimes we've made it just, okay, a hand went up. Wonderful. But did they really deeply know? It's, it's deeper than a hand. It's something deeper than that. I want both. I want the hands up so I can see, mark, and record. Aren't you thankful we're reading the book of Corinthians because someone recorded it? We need to record as well. But sometimes we are settling with like, oh, we had five hands last week. It's like, yes, we did. But we also need this in the streets, not just in a Sunday service. This girl was powerfully touched by God. A couple of days later, the same thing happened, but an even more radical testimony. Just by me approaching somebody again, same deal, but this time so radical. The guy followed me on Instagram and he talked to me for 30 minutes. He couldn't believe that God was looking at him. He's here on the sunny coast. He couldn't believe that God saw him. He said, I've been listening to these gurus and Deepak Chopra and all these things online, these world podcasts. I'm trying to find the creator of the universe. I'm trying, I'm wondering who's the creator. Who's the true spirit? This guy was a tradie. He wasn't some guy just sitting there in the gutter alleys of doing heroin. So he wasn't just broken. And we sometimes say that they're more easy to reach. No, everybody's broken. It's just a mask we all wear. The businessman's broken. We shouldn't love him any less. They're all broken. We should follow God to the streets. I used to have heroin addicts living on my couch because I felt such love for them. I wanted to see them set free. But the greatest freedom wasn't like, hey, bro, here's how you get off addiction. The greatest freedom was when they received the Lord Jesus Christ. This guy the other day followed me online and he was like, he's, he goes, this is crazy. And he said, you know why this is so weird? I said, why? And he said, because, and I waited 10 minutes for him at the beach. 10 minutes, he sat there in his trader uniform. And I said, God, I wanna go. And I was up in the sunny coast. I said, I want to go. And the Lord said, just wait, son. Wait for that one guy. His other friend came. I thought, how am I going to talk to him with his friend there? His friend might mock it. But I thought, I don't care. And I waited. He went near his car door. And as he touched the car door, excuse me, bro. It's going to sound a little weird. My name's Ben. How are you? Yeah, good. Hey, my name's Jake. And I said, hey, Jake. And I said, I just want to tell you, man, God had me wait 10 minutes to tell you that he sees you. He loves you. And then he shut the car door and stayed outside the car and began to tell me his life story. And then he told me at the very, very end, he said, this is really, really weird. He goes, I'm going to contact my mother who has two Christian friends and they're just like you. They're people that do this youth group stuff. I said, yeah, that's, I, I was checking. I go, what kind of youth group is it? Um, I checked a little bit. I was like, do they all wear the same kind of suits and things? And I was checking, is it JW by any chance? I was just checking a few things. He goes, no, no, it's youth stuff, youth things. I was like, sweet, youth stuff. I left there. I got in the car, so ecstatic. I saw Daniel at the golf course, Lee at the golf course. I said to Daniel, the first thing I said, I said, bro, you'll never believe the encounter I just had with a guy. How many times, though, has that happened? And I, all I have to do is wait one minute or just give someone a, hey, excuse me, Jesus loves you. And I just go, 
and walk on. How many thousands of times does this happen to us? And Paul says here that we ought to obey the heart of God for the sake of the nation, seeing God, but more so for the sake of knowing God. If I'm to sit before my father and say, I know you, you can father me, give me what I need, bless me, let me be a beautified son, let me be a son who knows his inheritance, and then what do you want, dad? How often do we really ask Father God, what do you want? It's all what we want, right? Listen, he's the most resourceful one, we are not. We get the most from him. The 99% falls on us. It's blessing for free, freely given. But did Jesus do that? Did he just say, here I am on the earth. I'm gonna do miracles. I'm gonna start the Jesus of Nazareth Apostolic Foundation. You can visit me in my office, set an appointment, and uh, we can talk about problems in Christians. Everything's important, but one thing is extremely important. That people tonight in Brisbane, tonight in your family, tonight in your workplace are hanging on the edge of eternity. And if tonight they died without Christ, they would go to hell. If tonight they died without Christ, they would suffer eternal darkness in hell and you would be weeping in front of God saying, God, I wish I said something. I wish I had the courage to say something. Well, you do. You do have the courage. You do have the grace. It's not a striving thing. It's a God, give me your cravings. 1 Corinthians 9, we'll finish with this one. We could go through many more. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Then Paul says to you and me, yes, woe is me. If I don't preach, I want to slow that down. When, when a statement like that is made in Israel, woe is me. Do you know what that means to them? Basically, my life is destroyed. It's heavy to them. It's heavy language. It's not just like, oh, bummer. Bummer if I don't. He's like, woe is me. My life is falling apart if I can't tell people about God. He said, it's just necessity. It's necessary. Verse 17, and this is what I wanted to get to. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I'm not against any form of denominations. I love them all. I'm actually partly, I don't know where I sit on a lot of things. But there's one doctrine, that it's called causal determinism. Where God causes and determines the outcome of every Christian, of every soul saved. And they say, well, God is so sovereign. He knows how many will be saved. Let me ask you a question to that. Why did Jesus say, I wanted to gather you, but you weren't willing? Why did he say through all the prophets, return to me? Why wouldn't he say, you can't, and you're sovereignly determined to not? Why did Jesus tell the, the, the 12? Why did he say the harvest is truly ripe? Many times in church, Pastor Catherine knows this, we pray into the harvest, but many Christians in church, they go, the harvest is plentiful. Amen, amen. But we, finish, we don't finish the sentence of Luke 10. He says, therefore, pray for more. We don't finish it. We stop, the harvest is plentiful, amen, but the workers are few. Oh yes, brother, the workers are few as usual. The workers are few. What a defeated mindset. 
He didn't say that. He said, so pray that God would multiply them. Pray that God would convict people. Pray that someone would care. Pray that someone would crave. Pray that someone would feel the heart of God that He would allow Himself to be shredded to pieces on a cross for a human life. Let me touch it, God. Let me feel it. I had one time where God threw me to the floor. I wept uncontrollably on my kitchen floor. I didn't weep over any human I saw with my eyes. I felt the great pit of darkness in the world and the great shiny logos, towers, labels, movies, smartphones, whatever they're putting on their head now, the VR. I felt the great pit of darkness under people. And I felt the great deception to blind and to sleep and put everybody to bed to blind them from God. And I felt God threw me to my kitchen floor. Like I couldn't, I was praying like this. I started crying and then, <laughs> and I was like that. And I fell down to the floor. I could not stand up. And I was weeping, curled up in a mess, weeping over his feelings for souls. I didn't say, God, I'm praying tonight for souls. I said, you can pray through me. I got a bit craved in there. I felt that crave. Here's the reason I wanted to read this. Paul says, if I do this willingly, I have a stewardship. So I, I choose it. I go, yep, I choose it. But what does he say? He says this beautiful theological statement here. If I do it against my will, that's you and me. That's us walking to work. Stop that person. Stop that person. Paul even said, Ben, Paul would tell me face to face, Ben, even me in Ephesus, I'm tired. I have stuff to do. I've got disciples to raise. The church has, it has issues. But God's telling me, preach to that one. And my will is, ah. Oh, but against my will. That's what he wrote. If I do it willingly, I just get a stewardship. But if I choose to let God's will take over me. You know what he says here? He says, if I choose to do that, oh my goodness. I'm entrusted. Sorry, he says first, if I do it willingly, I get a reward. You still get a reward for sharing. But if I go against my will and say, God, let my will die. Let my will be surrendered. Take over me with your heart and I'll go against my feelings, against my fears. He says this, he goes, then I have a stewardship. What is a stewardship? The Welsh revival. Then God goes, give Paul half a million souls. Give Charles Finney 400,000 salvations. Give Reinhard Bonnke 79 million converts because Reinhard's will is in the hands of God. So Paul's saying this to you. He's saying, hey, friend, I understand how you feel. I know how it feels to have my will buck against sharing the love of Christ. But he still did it. We'll finish with this. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men. You ready for this? For though I am free from all men. Some of you women want to not be free from a man. You want to have one. Just keep praying in Jesus' name. God will give you a man. <laughs> though I am free from all men. Put your hand up if you're free from all men. Are you free? You're a child of God? There's like four hands up. This is not a trick question. Put your hand up if you're free from men, right? You don't have the fear of man, right? Well, then some hands went down. Okay. <laughs> Let's, let me make it so much easier. Put your hand up if man can save you. Put your hand up if Jesus saves you, right? That's what Paul meant. I'm free from everybody. Jesus saved me, craved me, got me. But here's what he says, ready? Though I'm free from all men, 
God has sovereignly overtaken my will without choice that now I am a servant to all. Does it say that? What does it say? I have made myself. God, are you looking for someone? For years. God, I would like to to be part of this. My son, this is my desire. This is how you will truly become my friend. I will bless you. I'll fulfill all your desires. I'll give you everything you, you want. But here's how you give to my desires. Yes, God, I want to be that man. And then he says to God like this. He says, God, I make myself yours. Why am I telling you this? Because we're waiting for God to take over. We are waiting for a move of God. Do you know how often we go like this? A move of God's coming. Do you know how many times I've heard that? I've been preaching in church for 13 years all around the world. Do you know how many times a move of God is coming? Now I ask, when? Do you know how many times we say it? A move of God's coming. When? When is it coming? Have you ever actually stepped back and gone, we've been saying this for like 10 years and we haven't seen it. Now, have we seen fragments? Have we seen little waves? Have we seen breakouts? Have we seen amazing things? Yes, I'm not diminishing all that God has done. Have we seen the effects of God moving? One million percent. Do we see more healing than we did? One million percent. But have we seen God take over where thousands are turning to him? Have we seen that in our lifetime? Do you know who John Smith was? Pastor Catherine will know. He started a thing in Australia called the God Squad. Do you know the God Squad? He went to the motorbike gangs and stuff. And I know some of them might've been a little different or whatever, but John, he was real. In the first two years in the Melbourne region, Victoria region, when they started God Squad, guess how many people turned to Christ in the first two years so that they could not teach them. They didn't know what to do with him. Guess how many people it was? It was 5,000. They had a mega church in two years and 85 to 90% of them were new converts. And they were the worst, yeah. They're bad dudes, but God loves them. God cared about them. What was different about John? He believed the gospel and he did this. He literally, he was a teacher. You know, he was a brilliant teacher. He wore a suit. I've seen the, the, the documentary. He used to wear a suit and he would teach mathematics. He went past a bikey group one time on the side of the highway. They parked their bikes and he said, God, I pray that somebody would go and get them. God said to him, in other words, God said to him, Make yourself the servant. He quit his job, told his wife. His wife was shocked. She came from a reformed brethren family. He said, honey, we're going to get on motorbikes. And in her words, she's like, you can't even, you spill cups everywhere. You're going to kill us. You can't drive a car, let alone a motorbike. First two years, John Smith went in there. He let his beard grow out a bit. He did what Paul said, become all things to all men, that by doing so you may win some. He got a motorbike. He learned to ride it. The clumsy man that couldn't ride motorbikes. But boy, could he preach the gospel. And boy, did he crave those people. It turned into thousands more. We haven't seen it yet. You know why? Because God sovereignly is just telling us to just declare it again and again and again for another 10 years. Sovereignly, it's just not happening. No, friend. I believe in the bowls of intercession tipping. I believe in those things. But I believe in this more. I believe in obedience. When is the day of salvation? 
today. When did Paul make himself a servant? When God has to take over? I'm not saying, please hear me. I finish with this, this point. Please hear me. I'm not telling you God doesn't take over. I'm not swinging the pendulum. I'm just saying, why have we been declaring, not just in here in Europe, why are we declaring everywhere like there's a revival coming? Why don't we just turn to each other and go, hey, guys, um, we're here. We're a church. We're a community, right? Yeah, okay, so what's your name? Oh, my name's John. My name's Peter, whatever, right? Okay, Peter, hey, um, where do you work? Oh, I work in, um, I'm an accountant. Go, sweet. We're in a home group together. I'm a business guy. You're an accountant. Um, let's be accountable. Ask God who you're supposed to see saved, who in your family members is going to get saved. And you ask God who in your workplace. And let's ask for two people. And every home group, let's pray for them for 10 minutes each. And, and let's stay accountable until God touches them. You would be blown to pieces by the thousands turning to God. Why don't we do it? I'll tell you why. Here's what I want to finish with. Here's why we don't do it. Because every one of your hearts is like, yes, let's do that, right? Here's why we don't do it. The two biggest things I believe in the church that hinder the army of God, and I don't believe Satan works in the world very much, to be honest. You know where I believe he works? In the church. What is he trying to do? What army does he have to disable? It's this one. You at home. It's your life. He tries to suppress, right? Push you down. You feel an invisible lid above you. You just can't break free of fear. You can't speak what you really want to say. All this is important because we need to get free and become free Christians. It's really important. We have sometimes, you know, some prayer healing, some new creation teaching. We need all that to break through those ceilings and, and become free. But what is the enemy's strategy? There's two strategies. Fear. That's number one. The fear of man. The fear. It's not going to work. I can't speak good. Yes, you can. I mean, Christians like pray for me. I'm not good at sharing. I'm like, I just heard you sharing with your best friend. You're like, I love this Mac makeup. Oh my goodness, it is the best. You need to get it. Like you don't understand. This Mac is way better than L'Oreal. You are a Mac evangelist. You can, you can get them born again to L'Oreal. It's like people are like, I can't speak. And then you're like, did you see the Broncos? Oh, mate, the Broncos, mate. There's four minutes left to go, mate. He should have kicked it. And he should have gone. To I'm like, Brian, you're a preacher. <laughs> Is it true? We can all talk about what we're passionate about. Fear of man. Fear of human opinion. Fear of failure. Knock it out of your life. Second Strategy of the devil. Distraction. Distraction comes in the form of this sentence. Somebody else will fulfill that. We pray, God save Australia. And then we're happy because we, inside, we went, okay, I did my part. The enemy distracted us from the fruit. The Lord rebuked me two years ago. I had my hand on a woman's back. She had scoliosis. I said, in the name of Jesus, all the church was there. I, it was in Germany. I said, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Just release your healing. Be healed. The Holy Spirit said, don't pray a prayer to me that you don't expect me to answer. He said, you're praying a prayer of care for her. You're just caring for her. You don't believe that I'm actually about to heal her scoliosis. And I was like, uh-oh. I realized inside that I'd been doing that so many times. How many times have we gone, God, save Australia, save Germany? God's like, yes. Yes, do that. But then we get distracted. We get caught up in all this other stuff. 
And the next thing we're looking for, think about this, guys. I'm not poking at this church, okay? This is about the other bad churches. <laughs> think about this. Even in my church, I lead a church in Germany. What are we meeting about? We, we meet about this stuff sometimes. Let's do, what should we do? What's our vision going to be? What's never been done in Christianity? A conference. Let's do a conference. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to invite so-and-so for sure. I love it. It's all good. I'm not knocking it. I go to them. I'm at the conferences. I'm their speaker. If they're watching this, I'll probably get canceled. I finish. Do you know I've said I'll finish with this three times now? I have lied to your face. Forgive me. Don't, you can buy me a cat for my birthday. <laughs> All right, I really will finish with this. I'm sorry, because it is actually late. I just looked up there. It's late. Okay. Last story. Deal Moody, you know who he is? Deal Moody was outside his church on a Sunday. Uh, sorry, on a Monday. Church had finished Sunday, and he was a preacher in there. He's a young preacher. And by the way, friends, the people that led the revivals of history, they didn't have to be old, and they didn't have to be young either. You can be old and lead it, and you can be young and lead it. In fact, one of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, became the senior pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle at age 19. God can use us. But distraction Bad relationship, another conference, another thing. And we take our eyes, it's all about worship. It's all about inside. What about him? What about God's heartbeat? So D.L. Moody had this little church worshiping Sunday. And on Monday, he sees this 15-year-old girl. And he sees her and she looks broken inside. You know, when you can read it on someone's face, you can just see it. He goes over, excuse me, do you know about Jesus? She says, oh, yeah, I know. I know about the Christian stuff. And he goes, God loves you. He goes, I can feel God's love for you. He cares about you. And he goes, why don't you come? Our church is right there down the road. Why don't you come on Sunday? And she goes, maybe I'll come. He says, please come. And he said the whole week he thought about that girl. He couldn't shake her out of his heart. And he prayed for her. And then Sunday morning, he went in, into the worship and he was distracted in worship. And he kept looking around. Is she here? Has she come to church? She was nowhere to be seen. He preached his message, but he kept thinking about her. Where is this girl? Finishes church, and then he sees the girl a couple of days later in the same area of town. He sees her and he says, hey, hey, young girl, it's me. Pastor DL, it's me. She turns around and she looks at him because he'd preached to her. And he said, I didn't see your church. She looks at him. And she ran. She took off running. And DL Moody, do not do this today. D.L. Moody, watch this girl running, 15-year-old girl, and God's spirit in him, chase her. He chased her, and she's running. Don't do this. She's running, and she gets into, she looks back, and he comes closer to her, and she gets near a pub, a bar, and, he, and she thinks he's a preacher. He won't go in a bar, and she runs into the bar and hides underneath behind the bar, and D.L. looks at the bar door. Bang, he goes straight in. He was craving her, craving that she'd know Christ. She sees him. She goes out the back of the bar. She runs. She goes down a back street. He's chasing her. She's quick, 15. She couldn't get, he couldn't get to her. And then he sees her go up these little steps and run into a house. And he goes up to the house. I've come this far. And he opens the door of a stranger's house. 
And he says, little girl, young girl. Hey, no one answers. Young girl. And he starts walking in the house, looking around. And then he looks and he sees, as he's in the house, he sees the leg, the edge of a little leg poking out the end of the bed, under the bed. And he looked down and he grabbed that girl and he dragged her out from under the bed. And he looked and he stood and he said, you must be saved. You must turn, do not do this. We and the sponsors here do never officially endorse any of this stuff. He grabs her and he says to her, you must be saved. Stop running from God. What was he doing? He was craving. He was gripped by God. He wasn't normal. He was Christ-like. This girl, she said, I know I must be saved. She started to weep. He got down on his knees with the girl and he led her to Jesus in her bedroom. Jesus come into her life. He came into her life. She with tears in her eyes at the end of the salvation prayer, with tears in her eyes, she looked at him and she said, my mother is an alcoholic and she's upstairs in the top bedroom. Now she must be saved. And he said, let's go. And he said, she's demonized. He said, let's go. He went up there. He led the mother to the Lord as well. In his 70s, around 75 or whatever, he was in American Pittsburgh. And he was at one of the, the, the shipping places or where they do, like they exchange money. And he was there and this very good looking, young, astute man exchanged money for him. And he looked, you know, very good. And then he walked out, thank you. And then he hears behind him, excuse me, are you Pastor D.L. Moody? He said, yes, I am. And he said, I'm a preacher. I only work at this place part-time, but I preach the gospel. And he goes, and you pulled my mother out from under a bed. And this young man was preaching everywhere. See, you don't realize when you're touching one girl at the pool room, you can save generations. You can save thousands. And God wants to give you this heart. God wants to give you his craving. Would you stand? Father, thank you. Thank you, my Lord for the cravings of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would leave heaven and his earth, heavenly glory for earthly sinners to make them glorious children again. Father, I thank you for all that you've done tonight. And I just, before I pray for the believers, I wanna say this, the craving I spoke about was not just for people hundreds of years ago, it's for people in this room. If you could see the eyes of Jesus burning for you, you would fall at his feet weeping. How could you love me the way you love me? He loves you enough to die for you, friend. If we can just have some keys and a few people up. He loves you enough to bleed with his own blood as a payment for your sin. If you're in this room tonight or if you're at home and you're watching and you know, man, I've fallen away from God or I've never truly met Jesus. I'm like that girl under the bed. I'm running. And you know God is calling to you. Don't forsake his call, friend. It's not sovereign. God isn't just gonna change you. As we just read, if you're willing, you can come home tonight. But are you willing? Or do you just wanna put another mask on? Do you just wanna do something else and distract yourself? The enemy loves distraction. 
He can steal your destiny minute by minute without you knowing it. But Jesus, friend, He died for you to live. And He craves you tonight to become His very child. If you take the mask off and be honest with yourself, tonight He'll make you free. Perhaps you've been living a double life, backslidden, or you never really heard the gospel. That is the gospel. You have sinned. Every human has sinned. We can't pay for our sins. We can't fix it. There's not enough money we can give God. We have to have someone pay the price for us. And God so loved the world that He did that. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him, turn to Him, that their sins would be washed away. They would become a child of God. They will be saved. Tonight, be saved. And let the refreshing times come into your life. Would everybody close their eyes, please? Everyone. This is for you at home as well. I feel there's going to be someone watching and you just lived a double life. It's time to come home. God may be using you as the next Evan Roberts, the next Dio Moody. But more importantly, you need to get right with God before God's throne. You need to have confidence before God. It comes through the blood of Jesus. If you're in this room and you know I'm speaking to you right now, well, I said all that was to you and it's going right to your heart and you're like, yeah, that's me. Don't be afraid of any human opinion. Take off that mask. Place your hand up right now if that is you. If that is you, place your hand high in the air. Don't worry, even if you were a Christian, but you know, like, no, I've not been really walking with God at all. Or if you're a non-believer, this is the moment where God is stretching His hand to you, saying, be set free, be my child. If that is you here, I want you to put your hand up high. No one can see you except me. I see you, bless you. Bless you, sweetheart. God loves you. God is craving your heart tonight. And He craved it on the cross when He died for you. Is there anybody else? Yes, I see you up the very back. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I see you here, my brother. Yes, in the front. God bless you. That might have been the brother we met today on the street. Anybody else? I'm just going to ask one more time because fear, remember, fear stops you from doing what you actually want to do. I see you, precious friend, at the front. Bless you, man. One more time. Is there anybody here? You know God is knocking the door of your heart. Turn to Jesus today. Put your trust in Him. Don't be afraid. Put your hand up right now if that is you. I feel there's one more. I see you up the very, very back. God bless you. Okay, guys. If that was you, the second step is very simple. But I'm going to ask you to turn to your friend. Look at your friend you came with. Or if you're here alone, do you have a friend you came with? Yes, turn to them right now. And come down with that friend to the front because we want to pray for you. Come right down here. And church, come on, let's give a loud applause to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come down, come down. Come down from the back. Come from the back. Come down, come on, let's celebrate. Praise the Lord. There was a few more. Yeah, come, come. And this young boy, come. Yeah, blessings. It's your husband. Awesome. Anybody else? Was there a few more? Yes, this young boy, come on. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come closer, friends. Everybody stretch out your hand. 
Do you realize tonight the second most important thing that's happened in the whole evening is what's happening right now? What was the first important thing? That we love God. Glory to God. And this one is the moment where God has you now. And that is for him. that's His ultimate desire is your life. So for all of you at the front here, did you come down? Who is the one here? It's you? Okay, yeah. God just asks you. He doesn't speak English or German or Italian. He just speaks heart. God listens to your heart. It has to come from here. And when we confess our sins out loud and put our faith and trust in Jesus, it's like the wedding moment when you say, I do. Jesus has said his I do through the cross. You're saying your I do tonight to him. Okay? You're inviting him in. But Jesus asks us to confess out loud what we believe in our heart. And that God, in that moment, it happens in your heart supernaturally. In that moment, he'll wash you clean of all sin. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how bad it was. He'll wash you clean most broken relationship you're in even if you robbed a bank give the money back for sure but but he'll he will set you free tonight that's what he did for me when i was a car thief he set me free are you ready would you close your eyes and let's pray with our mouth out loud and i want you all to pray together are you ready pray this say lord jesus christ i put my faith in you tonight i believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I repent of my sins. I turn from my old life and I officially invite you into my heart to be the Lord of my life and my best friend. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and change me as I become your child tonight. Keep praying church, God is moving there like, the people are weeping down here. Just keep praying, really, just for a second. Church, pray. That's what I mean by actually pray. Like, let's begin to pray, I mean. Pray for them. Pray for them. Like, pray, God, deliver them. Set them apart. That's the Holy Spirit. Fill Him again, Lord. Fill Him again. Overwhelm Him. Overtake Him. Fill Him with Your Spirit. Let it happen. God is, keep praying, please, please. He's being delivered. God is touching Him deeply. Right now, all of those old things, we break it now, all the old ways, all the walls were broken down. Let God take you. Let God have you. Let God, keep praying for Him. A couple of you pray for that man. Pray for Him. Keep praying, friends. Keep praying. This is the moment of conception, how important it is, how we deliver a child. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for her right now. I pray that all the heaviness. tonight. Keep praying. I'm in the power of the Lord. Keep praying for her. Pray for her. Keep Come, come, come. Let's get the prayer team up. Oh Lord Jesus, we pray your grace would fall on them. Freedom of God. Fullness of the Spirit. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. 
We're going to let them be ministered to. And I trust that this beautiful church, I know Pastor Catherine, you guys know how once they get off the floor to lead them to the right place, to lead them to get plugged into church, I'll let them do all that stuff. But before we do that, I want to pray for you that God's craving would grip you. I want to pray for you. Leave them on, leave, pray with him, pray with him. Brother, you can, <laughs> if anyone, whenever we pray for people as they're receiving the Lord, I don't mean this to, to correct you here at all. You're a precious man. Whenever we do this, guys, people can literally be life changed in that moment. My brother was on the ground. Demons came out of him for two hours. He didn't even know what was happening. He got up off the ground, delivered of all addictions. So we leave people just underneath the weight and power of God. Okay, so keep praying for him. While I pray for them, you pray for him. All right, you precious, sir, precious people. I'm not nothing against you. You got a beautiful heart, but but guys, what about your heart? Close your eyes. I want you to put your hand up if you want the cravings of God to overwhelm your heart for the lost. Are you really ready for it? I believe you are. That means the Lord may weep through you. It means He may stop you on Monday, not just on Sunday. He may stop you at the gas station. Is that what you're putting your hand up for that? That's what you're saying yes to. You want it? Do you want it? I'll ask again. Do you want it? Do you want to give your father his desires and bless your dad? Okay, because a grace will come and the Spirit will begin speaking to you. I want you to pray this with me. Father God, take any apathy away, any fear away, any distraction away. And I renounce the spirit of the fear of man. I said, I renounce and I break ties with the spirit of the fear of man. Speak to me, God. Lead me, Father, to your heart's desire. Now, this is a big one. Now, Father God, I give you permission to crave the lost through me. Father, I pray, come on them now. Come on them with power. Holy Ghost, would you come on them and give them those cravings with power right now? Guys, if you fall on the ground, begin to weep over souls. Allow it to happen. If you feel to run up here to the front and just weep over the lost, come down, come down the front and just ask God to give you that heart. Don't be afraid, come down. Come, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move deeply on them. Move deeply on their hearts. Come and ask Him for this heart for the lost. Father, move us to the revival that was predestined, to the revival that You prophesied. Move us into it, Lord, into the actions of this revival. Thank You, Father. Thank You, mighty God. I just want to pray one more time. I feel that there's a bit of a resistance to the Spirit falling on people. Father, I pray one more time that the Holy Ghost would fall on people powerfully, radically, that God, you would begin to give them the spirit of intercession for the lost. That no matter what it looks like in this moment, they would begin to weep. They begin to see that people are headed to darkness. Allow God to give you the cravings tonight. Allow Him to give you the cravings now. Father, we pray for that in the name of Jesus. Give them a craving heart for souls. Yes, and all you on the live stream, I pray for you as well. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of the fear of man. We command it to leave. I pray the grace of God would empower you. And Father, we pray everybody watching, Holy Ghost, would you fall on their heart with your love for souls. 
with your love for the lost fall on their hearts, God. Give them holy cravings. Let your heart break open. See, God's going to show you certain people. You're going to begin to weep and just pray. Just let it happen. I feel there's a bit of carefulness because the music's quiet. You're like, God, I'm just going to pray quietly. Let the Lord crave through you.